This morning we're going to look at the fourth of these spiritual blessings. And to get the flow of this, let's begin reading in verse 7, Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches, the great riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us, verse 8. In all wisdom and insight, verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will. Now there's the fourth of the great spiritual blessings that God has given us. He's made known the mystery of his will. In other words, what is God doing? What is his great plan of the ages? Where is he taking us? taking history and taking the world. He's made known to us as part of the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us with wisdom. He also made this known to us, the purpose which he set forth, verse 10. Now, he's going to give us this the mystery of his will, that is, the thing he's headed toward, the thing that he's working on, and it's in verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, that is, in Christ, things in heaven and things in earth. And then verse 11 is your role in it. He said, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who's working all these things according to the counsel of his will. In other words, you've been swept up in this. You have been reached out, God reached out and brought you into this great will or purpose that he's working out in history. So it, the idea here in verse 9 is that he's made known this mystery of his will, but but it's really not a mystery because it's in the Bible and he's giving it to us here. But for most people, they don't know what God's doing. They don't understand where God is going. I like the Phillips translation of this. Uh, he said, it's through the Son, this, this is 7 through 11, at the cost of his own blood that we are redeemed and freely forgiven through the generous grace that overflowed into our lives and opened our eyes to truth. For God has allowed us to know the secret of his plan, which he's purposed in his sovereign will, that is, that all of human history would be reunited, gathered up into Christ, and that everything that exists in heaven and earth will find its final fulfillment, explanation, and solution in him. Then verse 11 in Phillips. And here is the staggering thing. We were marked out for this long ago and have been given a share in this glorious future. Now that's more a paraphrase than a translation, obviously, but, but uh, it does bring home the, the awe that the Apostle Paul seemed to have. Now, I think the key word here is in verse 10. The key verse is verse 10, and the key word is to unite or to gather. Do you see that in verse 10? A plan which will unite all 
all things or gather up all things in Christ. It may be, uh, some of your translations may have to sum up. He will sum up all things in Christ. Um, the word actually, uh, it, the, the basic word, the root word is kofali. Ana means uh, a little prefix like in English, re, to redo something, like renew or uh, rejoin. So ana is in Greek, means something happens again. So to sum up or head up or gather up again all things in Christ. To redo it. Because there was, at one time, there was a harmony in the universe. Then Satan fell. There was harmony in marriage and then Adam fell. What's the first thing Adam did when he sinned? He said, the Lord, the the woman you gave me, she gave me the fruit and I did eat it. He blamed her. Blame the woman. That, but that, dis, that uh, disconnect, emotional disconnect, was immediately after the sin. See, that's, and that's the, what he is saying is that everything has been fragmented. Everything now, since sin has come in, is moving in the direction of disintegration. And fragmentation. Um, but kafali is the is the root word here, and and at some point in the future, in the fullness of times, he said, he will bring this together. the The word kafali is used in uh, Romans thirteen when he when he says that the commandments are: do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. Whatever commandments, other commandments there may be, they are summed up in this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Summed up, there's kafali. means to gather up. Closing argument would be one way of looking at it. So to head up or bring together under one head, which is Christ, to gather up all the pieces and the fragments of men and women, heaven and earth, Angels, Adrian Rogers says, what is this world coming to? He said, I'll tell you what it's coming to. It's all coming to Jesus Christ. And that is the direction that God, this is the secret, this is the mystery, that God is reaching out and bringing things, people, angels, animals, earth. He's headed toward a day when he will reunite Everything under Christ, and He will be the main attraction. And the church is part of this. Um, Ephesians chapter three verse six. The, he says that this mystery, Ephesians three six, is that through the gospel the Gentiles are heirs together with the Jews, so that they are members together. Of one body. You see, that's the mystery. Well, he's talking about what's the mystery of God's will? What's he doing? Well, the mystery is always to reunite and reconcile. Part of that mystery is the church. And he says he's bringing Jew and Gentile. What? Apart? No, he's bringing them together. God always brings together and unites. Anybody can 
explode things and tear down. But God loves to build things and unite things and assimilate things and gather things under his son, Jesus Christ. And resurrection is part of this mystery. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, he says, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be transformed, changed at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. See, what happens with your body? Your body, and I, I got a birthday this week, but please hold the applause. Uh, I have a birthday, and frankly, I'm not that happy because I, I'm fragmenting. My hair's coming out, my teeth are coming out, my body's coming apart. And, uh, but, and someday my spirit will leave my body. Uh, give me the First Thessalonians 4. L- let me show you this. This is, uh, this is the four big reunions at the second coming of Christ. Maybe I'll turn over there if you want to. Look at it in your version. It's First Thessalonians four, and verse fourteen. Remember, God, the great, the great mystery is that God is working in history toward a final conclusion in which everything is reunited under Christ. Well, First Thessalonians four fourteen. Since we believe Jesus died and rose again, even so, Paul says, through Jesus, God will bring with Him. Those who have fallen asleep. Now, how does God bring with him those who have fallen asleep? That is, that they have died. Well, the body goes into the ground, but the spirit goes to be with the Lord when you die. Amen? You go to heaven. You don't go to soul sleep. You go directly to heaven upon death. But your body goes into the ground. Do you want to be separated from your body? No is the right answer to that one. So when Jesus comes back, the first reunion is going to be your spirit, which is with him in heaven when you die. It goes to heaven. He comes back and brings, it says, with him those who have fallen asleep. And he will raise up the body, bring back the spirit, plug them in together. You're new again. Amen. That's the first reunion. It's the reunion of the spirit and the body. There's a second one here, and it's in um, verse 16. He says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of archangel and the sound of the trumpet, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, that means resurrection. What is a resurrection? It's when God takes every molecule... Every dust, piece, particle of dust that you have become over the years, moldering in the grave, and I don't mean to be brutal here, but that's what we do. Our body disintegrates. See, but when he comes back, he's not only going to put your spirit in your body, but he can't put a spirit in a body that's disintegrated. So he has to put the body back together. There's the reunion of your hand with this arm, this arm with this shoulder. Hair hair particle follicles grow back. Your hair grows again. 
Your ears hear again. Your feet dance again. Unless you're a Baptist. Then you just sort of sway a little. <laughs> but, but God puts the whole thing back together. It's the reunion of the body. Parts. Body to body. The third reunion you have here is in verse 17 of 1 Thessalonians 4. We who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together. See, there are some when Jesus comes back that are alive. And they will be caught up with them, that is the ones who rise first. They'll be, we'll be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. The third re, uh, reunion is the, those who are living when he comes and those who are, have died before us when he comes. We'll all be caught up, and it says we will be caught up together with them. Some of you, many of you, have loved ones who have already died. They're Christians, and when Jesus comes back, if, if, you, if he comes back before you die, then I want to tell you, that loved one will be resurrected. His body will be united, reunited. The spirit will be reunited with his body. And you, he, will be reunited with you. That's the whole reunion thing that God's got going on in the mystery of history. And then the fourth uh, reunion is um, in that last verse, verse 17. Then we who are alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. And so we will always be with the Lord. It's the reunion of all of his people with him. So there are four big reunions just at the second coming of Christ. There and mentioned in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now, uh, I don't know how uh, much to make of this, uh, this uh, thing of the little prefix re, but I do believe that it implies that there has been this great disintegrating principle in history that something happened long ago that, um, that permeated all existence in the universe. Uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 1 verse 10 says, The heavens are the work of your hands, O Lord, but they will perish. You will remain, but they will wear out like a garment. You roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they are changed, but you remain the same. See, God's the same, but the universe, the heavens, are running down. The sun, for example, is losing a little bit of its temperature each year. I don't know if it's losing temperature, but, I, but they're, they've even gone so bold as to predict that, you know, in a billion years, it will actually burn out. But we should be safe <laughs> in our generation, so not to fear. In 1929, Edwin Hubble, working at the Carnegie Observatory in Pasadena, California, studied uh, the distances between the galaxies, and he noticed that they're getting wider over time. And he came up with what came to be known as the Big Bang Theory, That's, that the way the universe happened was that there was this Big Bang, big explosion, everything went outward. I think things went outward and disintegrated and fragmented 
not because of a big bang, but because of sin, possibly and probably when Satan was kicked out of heaven for his pride or when Adam sinned that, and, and that the universe began to come apart. That's why he says he will reunite. Ana kathale. He's going to bring it together. He's, he's going to redeem. And so that what God is doing in Jesus Christ is he is bringing everything together again. He's going to put the universe together. He's going to put marriages together. He's going to put families together. He's going to put heaven and earth together. He's even going to put our minds together. See, everything's coming apart. Your car is rusting. Your house is going to fall in one day if you don't maintain it. Everything goes downhill, not uphill. The sun shines less. And your mind is not as sharp as it used to be. In fact, they have uh, a major issue called schizophrenia. It's a, and it's becoming more today. Uh, it's where you have two minds. Schizo means uh, to divide, and, and uh, phrenia means the mind. So you have, like, two personalities. Uh, some people would call that being moody. You, it's like jumping in the pool without dabbing your toe in it. You got, you're not sure whether you're going to be cold or warm or what. But what happens with our personalities is that people need to check us out to see if they got the grouchy Larry or the happy Larry or the Christian Larry. What, which Larry are we dealing with here? And what, what God's going to do in time and is already doing it in our lives is he's making us into one taking the fragments of our personality. I actually saw a, an article this week where a guy robbed a bank, uh, and then he went home, and, and this is in Pennsylvania, saw it on TV and said, uh, hey, that was me. I did that. So he went and turned himself in. He had two totally different personalities. De didn't even know he robbed a bank. It reminded me of that joke this guy told. He said this guy stood in front of a judge and he said, uh, Judge, Your Honor, I admit I robbed that bank. My body did it, but I want you to know my spirit was not in it. And the judge said, well, we're going to put your body in jail. And if your spirit wants to join you, <laughs> then so be it. But God is going to put our mind and body and spirit into one cohesive unit. So we are functional, not dysfunctional. And I'll say this too. When he says in verse 10 that God's plan in Ephesians 1.10 is to unite all things in Christ, things there does not mean just people. It means, it means God and men, God and angels, angels and men, animals and men, men and men. It means races. It means body and soul. It means husband and wives, parents and children, heaven and earth. Billy Graham says that at the last day when God puts it all back together, that you'll be able to move between heaven and earth by simply the speed of thought. See, Peter said that we'll have a he new heavens and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. 
What a great day that'll be. A whole new earth, and it'll only be righteousness. No crime, no fear, no pain. Let me say this also about this word things. He's going to unite all things. The word to unite means more than just bring it together. It means to head up and be the final solution to. It means he will be the fulfillment and explanation of all things. Everything will make sense. Today we look and see a tsunami or a child abuse or failures and shame, pain and the innocent. We wonder why would God permit that? You may wonder why God permits certain things in your life. And I can't always say. I don't know. Um, But I was touched this week by that John 6, verse 12 and 13 story where Jesus feeds the 5,000. And when they, it says that they brought the loaves and fishes to Jesus and that he distributed them. But then they got done eating and there was these fragments left over. Well, Why would they be pieces? Why this extraneous, unnecessary portion? What's the point of that? See, and and sometimes we ask that question, what's what's the point of that? That looks unnecessary. Lord, where is your wisdom in this? But then it says, Jesus told the apostles, take the fragments that nothing be wasted. And they put it in baskets and it filled up 12 baskets and how many apostles are there 12 apostles 12 baskets and the apostles probably looked at that and thought oh i get it now he was meeting my needs and that is the way it's going to be on that day there's some things i just don't get I don't understand why, though, in his distribution of things, there are pieces that don't fit. But, dear people, on that day, you will stand in awe of your heavenly Father's wisdom, and you will say, Oh, I get it. He was meeting my needs. And that's the way it'll be. Now, one other verse here. Um, let, let me summarize this. Give me that, give me that quick summary there. Uh, so here's, here's a summary of today's message. There's a grace that redeems and it also that same grace reveals, verse 7-8. That, that great re- revelation or plan is that God would gather up all things, all things, plural, to Christ as our great head in verse 9 and 10. And then the third point is, go ahead and give me the third one, and that is how and why you were preserved and converted. Look at verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. See, what is the explanation for your coming to Christ, for your being preserved unto Christ? The mystery of his will was... He's uniting everything into Jesus Christ, rejoining us to Christ. 
Well, how did you get, how did you live to be old enough to make a decision? How did you become a Christian? Who brought and caused to intersect in your life the person who brought you to Christ? We have a memorial service this afternoon for a precious Christian lady who was a, a drug addict and was in her early years was moving a couch out of her uh, house. And one of the ladies over at the mother church was walking by the sidewalk and saw her struggling to get this couch out, went up to help her and to get the couch out of her house and began to share Christ with her. She went to church with her, ended up at New Haven many years ago and became a Christian, one a dynamic Christian. And today she's with the Lord. Now the question here is, how did that happen? Part of God's plan. Remember how when we talked about predestination, it means horizo. It's to draw a circle around. It's to, it's to mark you out to bring you in. That's what, that's what horizo, to predestine in verse 11. He marks us out to bring us in. That is the explanation on why we're joined and united to Christ, why we have come under him as our Lord and our head and our king. Because he explains us. He fulfills us. He meets our need. He rescues us. <laughs> he is our God. I was reading some months ago, and I came across this little story of uh, Andrew Jackson, the seventh president of the United States, and how that he and his brother were captured uh, when they were young, and, uh, and his brother contracted a disease and died, but he lived and seemed to be the first signal of providence in God's hand on his life, that it, God spared him. Uh, the thing about uh, Andrew Jackson is that he was the primary founder of the Democratic Party. Yay. And by the way, the, uh, the logo of the Democratic Party is the uh, donkey. They, they got that because someone called Andrew Jackson a jackass. And he, he thought, I like a jackass. They're hardworking. They're mules. They're, they carry a load. We'll make that the logo of our new party. And so he did. And they still have it today. And uh, one thing about Jackson that you might not know is that under his presidency, he paid off the entire national debt of the United States. The only president to do so, the only time in history it was done. Can you imagine a Democratic president paying off our debt? Wow. And a guy who was going to shoot him, an unemployed house painter, walked up while he was attending a funeral and he was coming out after the service. And the guy walked up, he had two pistols in his belt. So one of those single-shot 
1800s pistols. He pulled out one, aimed it right at him, up close and personal, pulled the trigger, misfired. He reached and got the other one, pointed it right at him before anybody could get to him, misfired. Jackson was amazed. They later took these pistols to, uh, to test them because of the double misfiring that was thought incredible, and the pistols were tested and retested, and every time they performed perfectly. See, how does one explain? After Jackson left the presidency, his faith in God grew to the point where he entered the first Presbyterian church of Nashville, Tennessee. Now, I don't know if he was a Christian before that, but the Presbyterian church at that time was a great believer in the sovereignty of God, the providence of God, the circle, the horizo, the predestination, the mark. He, He put a circle around him. He marked him out to bring him in. And, and that is what, in verse 11, he says is true of every Christian. We have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined. Here's the great secret. Here's the great mystery of history. And that is that God is bringing everything together. You are a kind of first fruits of that great reunion day. You've been brought to Christ before the day. You are already under his headship, under his lordship. That's what's going to happen then. Everything will be fixed. You're being fixed already. You're prematurely being justified and sanctified and glorified as an expression of what he's going to do on that day. That is the meaning of verse 10 and 11. So we praise God that in the great grace that he has poured out on us, he has shown us what he is up to in history the secret of his will.